0: Coming up on This Week in Games, I take a look at the equities winners and losers of E3, British MPs grill Epic and EA, and Niantic acquires a board game company. Coming up This Week in Games. It's that time of the week for your Video Game Industry News Rundown. I'm your host, Eric McConnell, and we had a week of updates on multiple fronts. Post-E3 stock updates, governments are angry about loot boxes, and a number of acquisitions were made. So, let's kick it off. A week after E3... How has the big expo affected top video game equities? Well, most of the big players kind of are marginally stagnant. EA, Activision, Blizzard, Ubisoft. No big surprises. Nothing changing. The stock might have moved up or down a tiny bit, but nothing big. And, you know, I mean, let's face it. Most of the people who invest in this stuff knew what was coming during E3. Um, So, nothing to watch move up or down. But... I'll break down the biggest winner, loser, and what I call the most confused stock of E3. So the biggest winner, no surprise, is Sony. Trading in kind of the mid to upper 40s before E3, Sony exploded off the specs from the PlayStation 5, PlayStation-exclusive titles that were shown by other publishers, and kind of not showing up to E3 at all. In fact, avoiding E3 seemed to actually help Sony. And Sony now trading in the $52 to $54 range, big jump. Um, Sony is a giant corporation, so their gaming division isn't the only stock mover, but if you look at the dates and announcements and when the stock moved up and down, clearly E3 was a boost of confidence for the company's stock. Uh, I'll say it's pretty funny. You know, the biggest publisher who kind of gave the finger to E3, at least EA had their EA play there, um, kind of at the LA live, which is near, uh, where E3 is in LA, but God, Sony didn't even show up and they had kind of the biggest uh, stock boost from E3, and uh, it's kind of disappointing for E3 altogether that that's the case, because let's look on the biggest loser from E3, and that's Square Enix, who was all over E3 and had a press conference, so Square Enix was trading at almost... $38 $38 leading up to E3 and dropped 18% down to $31 after E3, and Square Enix is only video game, so you can pretty much 100% attribute that to their E3 showing, the press, the press's treatment of Sony, or Square Enix, and so on. So really, I'd have to say the disappointing titles announced were the main driver. There are no big AAA releases, like no Final Fantasy sixteen or anything big, right? Lots of remakes and re-releases, like... For God's sakes, you, you kind of like up the graphics a tiny bit from Final Fantasy 8 and you had a whole trailer for it. That's not a good sign. And the Final Fantasy 7 remake only contained the Midgard portions of a massive game, which is like saying, oh, I'm going to re-release Super Mario Brothers, but I'm only going to do World 1 at a time. And ugh, pretty shitty. I mean, no, no one's going to be surprised by Square Enix being the biggest loser. Um... Yeah, no one, I don't know what that company's doing. They're almost like a better publisher than they are a developer themselves. And I think maybe they should start separating themselves because Crystal Dynamics Avenger game was probably their biggest hit of E3. Um, well, I, I wouldn't even say that was their biggest hit. Their biggest hit at E3 was the Dragon Quest Dragon Warrior characters and Smash Ultimate. That was their biggest one at E3. The secondary was the Avengers game, but kind of everyone's hung over off fucking 50 Avengers movies over the last 10 years, so you know, the Avengers game wasn't that big of a shock, so uh, Square Enix, not good. And the most confused stock of E3, Nintendo. This was a weird one. If you look at it, uh, it's, it's like a massive climb. So Nintendo had a massive climb leading up to their Nintendo Direct release, which is them releasing this big press conference they put together on like YouTube and on video platforms. It peaked at almost $45.50 on Monday. And then when they released the Nintendo Direct, it took a $2 nosedive immediately and stayed there all week. Now, what's interesting is post E3, the stock is already back up to $45. And it kind of shows that not only did Nintendo disappoint, but like everyone else disappointed more. So whenever the E3 hangover was over and everyone sobered up, they, well, I guess Nintendo (laughs) didn't do that bad of a job. Um, Let's buy into them again. And so it's kind of just how sad E3 was in general. I think there was a lot of hype going in on all this streaming stuff. That disappointed. There's a lot of hype going in on possible new hardware. That disappointed. And then generally you expect like giant AAA releases, but like, you know, Cyberpunk 2077, arguably the biggest game of E3, was announced in 2013. So nothing eye-shocking or surprising or crazy. And yeah, a little bit of a disappointing E3. Hopefully next year we have a crazier E3 in the liquidity and stocks and volatility is like, all over the place, but I don't know, pretty stagnant E3. I thought uh, I thought people would take bigger hits in their releases, and you know, everything's pretty stagnant. I wish Bethesda was a publicly traded company, because I would love to see their kind of E3 reaction, because I thought they had an amazing press conference, especially ending with that tech uh, that helps all the streaming services. So, oh well kind of E3 equities. And another one I want to go over that has to do with E3 is I completely forgot to cover this story, and I read it like many, many weeks ago, and I feel like such an idiot for not covering it, so I want to call it out, and that's Microsoft Acquires Double Fine Production. So Microsoft has reportedly paid Starbreeze $13.2 million for the publishing rights to Psychonauts 2 and has bought out Double Fine altogether for an unreported amount, Double Fine being San Francisco-based... uh kind of story-driven developer that's known for quirky independent games. Tim Schafer is probably the most renowned person who works at Double Fine. He's very well-known, famous from his old LucasArts days on like Grim Fandango. And Double Fine, I guess, can be... If I had to put a description on them for people who aren't familiar with their work, I would say they're kind of like the... uh, Who's the guy who did um, Sweeney Todd? Who's the guy who did Sweeney Todd? What's his name? Tim Burton, that's right. So Double Fine is like kind of like the Tim Burton of video games, um, if that makes sense to anyone. So Xbox gets to add Double Fine in its long list of first-party games to, its first, to Xbox's first-party studios and exclusives for its Game Pass subscription. Double Fine is still doing a multi-platform release for Psychonauts 2, but future titles likely be exclusive to Xbox and PC. Um, You know, just a smart move. Like, if you look at Microsoft Suite now, you know they have, like, intense, serious games. They have fun games. They have sports games. They have epic, mass appeal games. They have a truly great portfolio. And I feel like they're picking up some of these companies that are in... You know, like Starbreeze was publishing um, Psychonauts 2. Psychonauts 2 had a has a big fan base. Um, lots of people love Psychonauts 1. A lot of people are going to buy it. And kind of like Starbreeze was only giving them, I think, $8 million to develop the game. And the fact that Microsoft can inject a ton of cash into them, polish up the game, give them more breathing room and get the publishing rights for $13 million, I think that's a steal. And I think Microsoft is just being really smart with how they spend their money and how to diversify their portfolio. So smart move all around, and uh, good on you, Double Fine. I'm pretty happy. I know you're not the independent darling (laughs) you were hoping to stay, but uh, I think you'll be much happier with that um, kind of cash cushion of Microsoft behind you. All right. So the big story this week was British MPs grill EA and Epic execs during a commons inquiry on addictive video games. This was really bad for EA and Epic. Uh, (laughs) I just say all around they should hire whoever the fuck trained Google and Facebook on government relations and how to handle getting grilled by government figures because they fumbled this all over the place. Now, I have some highlights. The first one is probably the one everyone's seen all over the internet. It's fucking amazing. <laughs> so EA, it, an EA representative said, we don't call them loot boxes. We call them surprise mechanics. And they've been around for years, whether it's Kinder Eggs or Hatchimals or Lowell's Surprise. Surprise mechanics. Are you fucking kidding me? Like you're getting investigated for addictive gameplay and, predatory practices on children and gambling and you basically said well we don't call slot machines slot machines we call them surprise machines sheer <laughs> defense like not only did you slap the MPs in the face she slapped all gamers everywhere in the face and they they went on to rant about how they're like ethical and like they actually encourage fun and I don't know it was it's such a slap in the face it's literally like saying i'm selling alcohol to an alcoholic and the alcoholics seem to love it so like i feel like i'm doing an ethical good job oh terrible um some more highlights epic claims that they don't track playtime, to which an mp replied what i struggle with here fortnite is a game which makes money out of people playing it it's hugely successful game played by millions of people around the world and this sort of basic information we know from other game companies we've spoken to is something that's gathered and analyzed all the time So I don't believe you don't know this information. Oh, my God. It's so true. It's just like, how stupid do you think these people are? Yeah, we don't track playtime. Yeah, we don't believe you. (laughs) And uh, EA and Epic's defense seem to be that they don't have any information on anything, which we all know is 100% untrue and bullshit. Final snack from MP is, quote, if I were a parent who was concerned about my child's use of Fortnite, I think listening to your testimony not give me any encouragement at all that this is an issue you cared about, which is 100% true. It seemed like they don't care about anything. They don't care if kids are gambling, and this leads to actual gambling. They don't care if kids are s- stealing their mom's credit cards. Like They kind of just claim they don't have any data, and they don't care to have any data, and they don't care that people are accusing them of this because they're not going to do anything about it. Now, I will say I know nothing about government regulation, even less about what the hell the House of Commons is. But EA and Epic's defense of we don't have data and therefore don't know anything and don't care doesn't seem to be viable in a world where gambling regulation is looming. So especially the EU is a bit more aggressive towards uh, kind of um, capitalism, I guess you could say, than uh, America. I would have went in there with some better strategies. I don't know. That was just terrible. All right, let's move on. Us 2, developers of the Monument Valley, create a C-suite. So, Us 2 is kind of a smaller company. Um, It was a branch off of another company. It's kind of an experiment into making a small game development team. The Monument Valley was a huge huge success. The Monument Valley 2, even bigger success. And now, they have a C-suite. So, Board advisor Maria Science is named CEO. Studio head Dan Gray is named chief creative officer. And technical director Peter Poshley is now named chief development officer. Us 2 is now becoming basically a fully-fledged multi-game studio and needs to expand its current roles to support this. One of the projects is named Repair and will be launching on Apple Arcade. And they said to have many other projects in development. Uh, reading between the lines, probably two other ones. So three projects going on at once. Kind of makes sense you now need to upgrade to a fully functional like studio and company have a c-suite have with some executives and then have your on the grounds directors and the foot soldiers good for you i'm really glad like this is kind of a a success story indie darling whatever you want to call it like it's a company that made the money of the valley and they seem to just steamroll and keep garnering success success enough to a not go into loot boxes and bullshit monetization but still Form a fully functional company that they now need a C-suite because they're making top-quality premium games. Um, So good for you guys. All right, head over to Blizzard's eSports shitstorm. Kim Pham, Blizzard's global eSports director, departs the company. So after 13 years, Pham will move on to another role in the game industry, meaning move on to another company. The significance of this comes shortly after Overwatch League Commissioner departed to join Epic Games. And kind of Blizzard's eSports smartman has been on a slow spiral down. All eSports-focused games like Hearthstone, Heroes of the Storm, StarCraft II, WoW Arena, and Overwatch are kind of slowly getting over, and the new hotness is sucking up interest and Twitch eyeballs away from these games. I don't... like a bunch of anecdotal evidence. I don't know that anyone new is really getting into Hearthstone. I know Heroes of the Storm is effectively dead. They even canceled... Kind of like the cha- world championship, StarCraft 2. Also, I can't tell you the last time I've seen StarCraft 2 on the top of Twitch charts and WoW Arena, another one. Which WoW Arenas are just mind, mind-numbingly boring. Anyways, Overwatch seems to be their best thing going. They have the arena. They have kind of like the ESPN 2 deal, but it's hard to say what the actual numbers are for that and are like. I can't imagine they're pulling in League numbers, and League is struggling, so Overwatch has to be struggling as well. All this being said, I'm hoping Diablo 4 can help Remedy Blizzard, and I hope they got something uh, something good up in the lineup, because it's been a while, been a while since a big release from Blizzard, so we'll see what comes up. All right few business stories around out this week. Niantic acquires board game developer Sensible Objects. So developer of the tabletop game Beast of Balance and the Alexa Power board game Win in Rome has been acquired by Pokemon Go and Ingress developer Niantic. Niantic's previous acquisitions, they've had a few, I think they had three or four last year, have mainly been focused around their desire to build an AR platform for other developers. So this acquisition kind of seems a bit out of left field. Why would Pokemon Go developer be acquiring a board game company unless, I don't know, they're trying to make an Ingress or Pokemon board game? Well, it makes a bit more sense when you look into the history. Before Sensible Objects, most of the team at Sensible Objects was at another startup focused on designing what they call outdoor games. Which from reading about it, it seems they were a creative agency that was hired by media and event companies to build kind of like outdoor experiences and games for those events or media like efforts. So makes sense. Niantic is trying to pivot away from where a game that you run around in the real world to play to where a real world game that has technology that supports it. And this company specializes in real world social outdoor games. I can assume this is what the acquisition was for. Sensible Objects will be named Niantic London. will immediately support you know current gaming efforts, which is probably like Harry Potter and maybe some other gaming development, but slowly switch to focus on their own real-world game that they're going to develop in London. So pretty interesting. We'll have to keep an eye and see what comes out of this. And finally, Twitch acquires esports social platform Bebo, Rumored to be acquired for 25 million, Bebo chose to go with Amazon over Facebook or Discord. So, Bebo's been around forever. I think they started in 2005. They started right after Facebook, and they kind of like had a run at it. They filed for bankruptcy in 2013. Some other company bought and repivoted the company, and now they've been focusing on amateur esports and integrating with Twitch and Twitch Rivals. Bebo has about 10 employees from what I've read. And so the 25 million means hopefully those employees got pizzayed, but you never know with how board and stock and equity and payouts and everything work. I'm hoping they got paid at least a million each. Uh, Interesting to see what comes from this. You know, Twitch is, uh, Twitch has probably been stagnant for a while. If I have to imagine like everyone who would watch Twitch watches Twitch and they're not bringing in, that many new people, I mean, who who plays video games and doesn't know about Twitch and has already watched it. So I can see Twitch, you know, actually driving and facilitating amateur esports scenes to cultivate talent and get them hooked on Amazon products early. I could see Twitch, you know, this could be a revenue kind of stream for them to explore. If you think about it, you know... Twitch is a platform, right? And it's a platform for having creators reach audiences or official esports leagues reach you know, audiences and facilitate viewing. So where can they grow? Um, if, if we think they've hit peak users and they have to find either new ways to monetize those users, which, I mean, what are you going to do? Show more ads, try to sell them more shit or figure out like a synergy with that viewing, which is the esports league. And so Twitch has tried to set up like studios where they have these Twitch uh, streamers be a part of Twitch. Didn't go over well. Um, YouTube tried the same thing. Also didn't go over well. So what do they go next? Why don't you go with the synergy of esports? So them creating esports leagues or facilitating amateur esports like high school, uh, college-level esports makes perfect sense. I actually agree with it. I think high school esports run by Twitch and Amazon, I mean genius. Just hand them Amazon gift cards and call it a day. All right. That's it for this week in games. I'm Eric McConnell. Come back next week. We'll do it all over again. See what the video game industry has in store for us. Take care. Bye.